Hi everyone, I'm Serena from the Geology Podcast Network coming to you from Kingston, Ontario. Canada is a big place and the majority of us have not been able to explore its full extent. That is why, in the face of a global pandemic keeping us at home, I am bringing you some armchair Canadian geology. Welcome to the Backyard Geology Podcast Series, Canada Edition. Join me on a trip across Canada to look at some of our most treasured sites. This week's stop, Whitehorse, Yukon. The end of the 19th century brought with it an unforgettable boom in northern Canada. It is estimated that over 100,000 prospectors migrated north to the Klondike region of the Yukon in the top northwestern corner of Canada. The largely barren terrain and climactically treacherous conditions forced prospectors to carry food and supplies for up to a year to support them on the journey. Some came through Alaska through the ocean and the northernmost part of the Yukon River, while others approached from the southern branches of the Yukon River through Canada in hopes of speeding up the trek and lightening the physical load by boat. The destination? A geologic hotspot hosting one of the world's most precious metals, gold. The Klondike Gold Rush started after gold nuggets were found in 1896 by local miners. In the following three years, prospectors from the western United States and Canada were drawn to the area in hopes of becoming rich. Today, large mining companies take the place of 19th century gold stampeders and still mine the area around Dawson City. But where did the gold come from in the first place? These particular deposits were formed during orogenesis, meaning mountain building. The heat and pressure of the mountain building event heated and squeezed minerals, forming a fluid. As the fluid moved up in the crust, being less dense than the surrounding rock, it dissolved other minerals. When cooling, dissolved gold separates from the fluid, forming deposits. Like in episode 3 in Sudbury, the heat and pressure from orogenesis created a natural smelter to help separate the gold from the rock and clump it together in deposits, or nuggets. Along the Miles Canyon, just outside of Yukon's capital Whitehorse, the Yukon River hosted dangerous rapids. Upper estimates suggest that nearly 200 prospectors perished in the frigid waters as they attempted to reach the Klondike region. The route, part of the all-Canadian approach to the Klondike region, passes straight through Whitehorse, and the geology of the area played a major role in both the gold rush and modern establishment of the town. During the Miocene Epoch, about 8 million years ago, a lava flow from the southwest laid down a thick layer of basalt, about 20 meters thick, around Whitehorse. Basalt is a dark-colored, silica-poor, extrusive volcanic rock. The lack of silica means that it has a relatively low viscosity, allowing it to flow over terrain as it cooled. Basalt sometimes cools in a particular way. As heat is transferred out of the lava and things start to harden, surfaces contract. The result is what's known as columnar jointing, which forms spectacular hexagonal-shaped pillars of rock. You may be familiar with these basalt pillars from popular geotourism attractions around the world, most notably at several locations across Iceland, home to several basaltic flows, and at the Giant's Causeway in Ireland. Surprise, we also have these amazing basalt columns right here in Canada, in the Miles Canyon in Whitehorse. 
In the last 12,000 years, a canyon, the Miles Canyon, was carved into the basalt by the forces of erosion, particularly by the melting of our previously resident ice sheets, exposing the beautiful basalt columns along the canyon walls. The Miles Canyon basalt is not just aesthetically pleasing, but it also offers considerable porosity and permeability thanks to the jointing patterns in comparison to the neighboring bedrock, which is made of Cretaceous granodiorites that are not good groundwater reservoirs. Drilling wells can get really expensive, so the Miles Canyon basalts deserve a thank you as they allow access to groundwater at a shallower depth. Now that you know about the rocks, let's jump back to the gold rush. The section of the Miles Canyon in Whitehorse has a spectacular history throughout the years of the gold rush. Archaeological evidence and stories from indigenous elders note the presence of fishing camps along the canyon. In the 1880s, treaties were negotiated with indigenous peoples for access to the southern Yukon for prospectors interested in pelts originating from the subarctic forest during the fur trade. Over the next few years, several more prospectors were drawn to the Yukon seeking natural resources and, of course, gold, expanding trails and portages around the Whitehorse Rapids, previously used by indigenous peoples who used the river as a source of fish. When gold was discovered in the Klondike region in 1896, stampeders began flooding the canyon trying to reach the hub of the gold rush, Dawson City, some 600 kilometers further north. In 1897, Norman Macaulay, a young entrepreneur, set up a roadhouse at the start of the Whitehorse Rapids Portage, offering food and drinks to gold stampeders after realizing that the hungry travelers held the potential to upkeep such a business. As the crowd slowed in the winter of 1897 and 98, Macaulay took his business of helping the prospectors to a whole new level. He built a wooden tramway on the east side of the river in place of the portage to make the almost nine kilometer portage a little bit more comfortable. A long line of thick brush was cleared and a wooden track with horse-drawn carts was built. It was crude, but it got the job done. Together, the roadhouse and the tramway formed a small community known as Canyon City, about seven kilometers down the river from Whitehorse. Today, it lies abandoned, but back then it was a hub for avoiding the dangers of the Whitehorse Rapids. In 1898, as the tramway opened, Samuel Steele of the Mounted Police imposed restrictions on the passage of the rapids, which were deemed to be very dangerous. These restrictions included not having any women or children on the boats in the passage, having only qualified steersmen steering the boats, and restrictions on boat dimensions. Once put in place, these laws basically guaranteed the success of the tramway as less people were able to go through the rapids by boat. Paying per pound and per boat, Stampeders funded the expansion of Canyon City. It grew with a police post, hotel, cabins, restaurant, store, machine shop, and stables for the horses that pulled the tram cars. Macaulay's tramway was so successful that John Hepburn, another businessman, built a competing tramway on the west side of the river to serve the same purpose. By 1900, both tramways were bought out by a railway company and replaced entirely by the Yukon Railway. 
Canyon City was abandoned, but archaeological evidence of the hub remains today. It is amazing to think about the rich history associated with just one patch of rough water. If you were trying to pass through that section of the Yukon River today, you would not find yourself in need of a tramway because the rapids no longer exist. The same high-energy rapids that prompted the tramway buzz in 1897 and 98 also prompted the building of a hydroelectric dam in 1958 to accommodate the growing post-war population. That's right, talking about the boomers. Today, the hydro plant produces over 60% of Yukon's renewable energy. Construction of the hydro dam caused water levels to rise up 4 meters and led to the formation of Schwatka Lake, just south of Whitehorse, at the top of the dam, expanding the width of the river to three times its size during the gold rush. The remains of part of Macaulay's tramway are now underwater on the eastern side of the lake. The area around Whitehorse has both interesting geology and a rich history from the short-lived but monumental Klondike Gold Rush at the end of the 19th century. The Whitehorse Rapids gushing through the spectacular Miocene columnar basalt prompted the formation of trails, trams, and dams over more than 200 years. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Backyard Geology Canada Edition is part of the Geology Podcast Network and is sponsored by Traveling Geologists.